Amen. All right. So tonight, once again, we are in the book of Acts, watching the movement of the Holy Spirit, the early church, as it is guided by that same Spirit, empowered by that same Spirit, going out in the name, the name of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, I should have looked the scripture up, but um, you can go back, I want to say, maybe it was Peter, maybe it was James, you can correct me in just a minute, but it says they go out because of the name. Uh, the word in, in Hebrew would have been Hashem. But the idea is they're going out because of the name of Jesus. They're going out in his name because that name has power in it, okay? That is the name of the Son of God. Whenever it says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, it is the name of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, okay? So you look even through... I guess you'd say the life of Christ as he was here upon the earth. You can see people as they go out and they minister in his name, wherever Jesus may go. You see the power of God in display as people begin to hear the good news of the kingdom of God. And that message was to believe in Jesus Christ and that their sins would be forgiven and that Christ would, of course, give them eternal life. Now, Christ has already purchased that for us. He has died on the cross and now not simply to believe in Jesus, but to believe in his sacrifice, in him, what he has already done for us. The kingdom of darkness has been overthrown. That is when the Bible speaks about the kingdom of God. That term, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, are really the same terminology, okay? What it means is that God's power, his kingdom, has now broken into our time, into our arena, and that God's power is there to set the captive free, to deliver people from darkness, chains of darkness that we don't even know exist, where people have been held captive by fear, doubt, by, um, let's just say, abuse, neglect, self-worth has been diminished where people have been held by pride, where people have also been held by um, perversion, where people have uh, lust not only for things of the flesh, but also the things of this world. All of these vices, all of these claws, if you will, that come and try to snare souls, God's power is in breaking. It is coming in here, and captives are being set free. And what is interesting is that with each time Jesus would go out and send people, he would send them in his name. But remember when the 70 returned, they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, you go out into the book of Acts, and we're going to look, look at this in, I guess, eventually, probably three or four weeks. But what's going to happen is you're going to see the seven sons of Sceva. And I'm not going to destroy all that for you, but there is a comment made. We command you in the name of Jesus Christ whom Paul preaches. Well, they were using a name, but they did not understand. That name did not belong to them. Because the demons in reply is, we know who Paul is, we know who Jesus is, and I won't get into the Greek terminology because it's really powerful when you get into it. They said, we know both of them, but we have no idea who you are. 
And it says the spirits jump on them and beat them and leave them naked, you know, running through the streets. But that name does belong to the church. And that name of Christ Jesus, that is who we belong to. We belong to Jesus. We are the children of God through Jesus Christ, through his life, death, shed blood, okay? And his resurrection being victorious, the Spirit of God is now given to you and me, and we walk in the authority and power of that name. Now, does that make us perfect? No. Does that make us impervious to temptation? No. Does it mean that we can have victory over it and walk in the freedom of the Spirit? Yes, it does. But that also means that we are growing. We are growing in the things of God as God sets us free from the things of the world. So, if you've been walking with the Lord a good time and you have freedom over many things in your life, awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Maybe you have been walking with the Lord for a while, but you still have things that you struggle with. Does that mean that you haven't uh, become a Christian? Absolutely not. If anything, it means that God is working in your heart and life, delivering you from those things that try to plague you and try to snare you. And in time, believe you me, Christ Jesus will set you free. He will do that. But you know, I found that God is working on us even in our struggles. Our struggles are revealing to us how much we really need to cleave to Christ. Okay? So, what has happened in the book of Acts? Well, they've been patient. They've obeyed the command of Christ. They were in the upper room. They were praying, seeking His face, and all of a sudden... Sound of a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit comes, the promise of the Father that they would be baptized, immersed, consumed by the Spirit of the living God and that they would walk in that power, that the Holy Spirit would indwell them. The promise of God that God's habitation would be in man. So now we have the church, we have this unifying event on Pentecost as they glorify God in the languages of all countries. Out of many, you have the one. And now we see Peter standing up and Peter bold looking at people and proclaiming to them, Jesus Christ, he is the answer. You denied him, you crucified him. But the fact is this was the plan of God that we all might be forgiven. He died in our place. You denied the son of life. You denied the son of God. But God has resurrected him from the dead. And what you are seeing here today is the promise of the Father that his Holy Spirit would be poured out on everyone. Everyone who opens their heart to God, the Holy Spirit is to you and your children, to as many as who are far off. That means anywhere, to as many as the Lord God shall come, God will give his Holy Spirit to us. So he preaches, they're cut to their heart, they turn to Christ. What shall we do? And he says, repent, every one of you, be baptized. You know, let's, let's, let's do it. And he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people are, are added to the church that day. Fear comes upon the church, not fear in terror, fear as in and all of the power and majesty of God as he is working through them and the apostles. So the place where they're praying, the place where they are seeking God, it is being shaken as God is showing repeatedly that he is among his people. He is doing the work. Well, the next thing happens. Right after that, we now see Peter and John going to the temple. Now, as they go to the temple, 
they have people that are there that are, of course, begging. They're begging for alms. They're asking for somebody to help them. Whatever ailment or malady they may have, they're not able to take care of themselves. So people would take them, place them there, hoping that people going to worship God would have mercy upon them and would share of what they have. So we got to this where they were going about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which is the ninth hour for them of prayer. And it says, uh, we'll start in verse number 3, okay? So they're going through the temple gate, which is called Beautiful. There's a man that is there, and it says he was lame from his mother's womb. He has never carried himself on his own legs, okay? By his own strength. So we go to verse 3. It says, Who seen when they come past through Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. He's begging for money. And fixing his eyes on him. So uh, he looks, let me see here, asking for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John. So Peter looks down at him. He's looking intently at this man. And, and maybe this is a good point here to, to share this. Last week, one of the things that we point out is that the power of God is not ours to do with as we please. The power of God is there as he pleases for the work and the intent and the revelation that God desires. It's not like, as some people have heard say in the past, well, it's kind of like a flashlight. We just turn it on and turn it off, you know? I want to use God's power. I'm glad it works like that for you because it certainly doesn't work that way for me, nor any other pastor that I have known that I believe truly walked in the power of God. We pray, we seek the face of God, and as God moves, and, and I'll tell you this, maybe this is a little off key. Maybe, maybe uh, this is a, a, a good learning point here. I do not know, because I am not God, nor am I his consort or somebody that, that, that he confides in, okay? I don't know what God is going to do in the next five minutes here. But what I do know is whenever God is ready to move, or he's going to move many times, he will move upon the hearts of people, and you will know it beforehand. You can walk into a church service. This, this is something my family and I have done several times. We'll walk even whenever we were visiting in between churches. You can walk in the door of the church, and the second you walk through the door, I've looked at Misty. Misty's looked at me and said, God's getting ready to zap this place. We knew the second we walked through the door. We knew that God was getting ready to touch folks. We knew that God was getting ready to just move upon lives in such a powerful way, and of course he did. There have been times... And please, please, please do not look at me because I'm telling you this. God will do this in your life just as quick as he do it in my life. Uh, and maybe even he would do it in your life quicker. I don't know. Sometimes we're scared to open ourselves up to the moving of God and the supernatural. But I'll tell you this. I was in a service one time. This is a true, service, true story. And I'll even tell you the guy's name because I can't make this up. Last name, Dusenberry. That's a Duesenberry of a name. So we were in a worship service, and the power of God was there in a mighty way. And I'm in the middle of, of the church there, and I'm uh, um, a, let's see, at that time I was a children's pastor. And so I'm there, new guy on the totem pole. 
I'm there in the church, and I'm just worshiping, worshiping God. And I knew Mr. Duesenberry and his wife because they both served in children's ministry. Incredible people. All of a sudden, in the middle of service, they had an altar call, and God, as plain as day, as plain as you speak to me, said, go pray with that man. I knew it was God because you could look down and see my tie doing this. You know, whenever your tie is actually beating out of your chest, you could tell it. And I was like this. This is my first response. I said, Lord, I said, there's many people, I said, that are here that can pray with him. I'll pray with him right here, or I'll pray for him right here. And God again said, go pray with him. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, well, Lord, you know, is this me? Is it you? Do I, is this a pride thing? What's going on? You know, when you have this long, long discussion with yourself, it's God. Okay. And so the third time he said, get out there and pray for the man. And I said, Lord, there are so many more people in here that, that, that walk with God and serve with God. It sounded like Moses there for a second, only I'm not Moses. And so uh, God said, go. So I stepped out, and I'm almost a little aggravated at that point because I feel like a complete idiot. Who am I? So Mr. Duesenberry is down there at the altar, and I look at him, I said, Mr. Duesenberry, I said, I don't want to come across to you as a spiritual flake, but I probably am. I said, I was back there, and God says that he wants me to come pray for you. And I said, I don't know why it's, it's me. Maybe God's trying to humble me. I don't know what's going on. If this makes sense to you, great. If it doesn't, please forgive me for just being overzealous. I said, can I pray for you? And, I, and he said, sure. I said, if you would, just open up your heart to God and begin to worship him. Just worship him however you want to. Just love him. So I reached over and I touched this man. And whenever I touched him, it was like electricity. You're looking at me saying, oh, no, pastor done gone over to the Pentecostal side. I can only testify to what happened. It happened. I don't know if he was standing on a loose wire or what. I don't know. But what I can tell you this is when I touched him, it was like being plugged into a light socket. And he's crying, I'm crying, the power of God's moving so hard, I can barely stand on my feet. It was so beautiful and it was so powerful. As I watched the power of God absolutely shake that man as, as he was weeping and crying out before God. Now, did I run up to him and say, oh, by the way, I have the power of God. Take it. No, I didn't do that because it's not my power. It's not mine. It's not my authority. It's not my ability. It's not just something that God's given me and said, hey, use it whenever you want to. You move as the Spirit of God moves. You do as the Spirit of God says. You don't have to understand everything. As a matter of fact, you're probably not going to understand everything. But what you do is you act in obedience. So what I'm saying here is whenever Peter and John come to the temple, it's not that Peter's trying to show off. It's that Peter, as he is going, the Spirit of God speaks to him and says, I'm going to heal him. And so in light fashion, he says, yes, Father, and he turns to him, and this is what happens. Okay. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Look at us. So the man looks up at him, and verse 5, it says, So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So he figures, okay, somebody wants his attention. I'm about to get on. So he holds it up to him. All right. 
Verse 6, then Peter said something that probably crushed the guy. But he says to him, silver and gold I do not have. Or silver and gold have I none, I believe it's King James. But anyway, then he said, silver and gold I do not have. That's whenever you're begging for alms, silver and gold have I none. Then excuse me, sir. Alms? (laughs) Okay, you move right on. But silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. Are you catching that? Let that sink in for a minute. I don't have money. But I do have something a lot better. I've got something I would like to give to you, or rather the Holy Spirit has something that he would like to give to you. I don't have money, but such as I do have the Spirit of God living inside on me, I do give you. In what? The name. In the name. It's not my authority. It's His authority. I'm coming in the name of Jesus Christ. You killed. You murdered the Son of God. And God, in turn, resurrected Him from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is poured out, as Peter said in chapter 2, what you see and hear Right now, the Holy Spirit has come. And the ministry with Christ began is continuing even now. So, here they are. They're standing there. They look at this man that has never walked. Look at me. Silver and gold have I none. But what I do I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up. Get up and walk. Now, here's the neat thing. They didn't let him debate it. See, in Peter's mind and in John's mind, this, this isn't something, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, they, they were in it. The Holy Spirit had spoken. Rise up and walk. And it says, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately, um, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple. Where's the first place he walks? He walks into the house of God with them. So he walks into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Has anybody caught this miracle yet? Yes, the man has been healed, but let's think about it. If you had never spoken before, let's just say from birth, you have never uttered words, you have never heard words, and then all of a sudden, let's say you were healed. Okay, well, let's say you can hear. That's good. Don't you have to learn to speak? But what happens whenever you're healed and the next thing you know, you're speaking perfect English? Or Aramaic? Or Greek? Or Hebrew, if you were really good. How do you know all of that? Here's another thing. Having never walked, how is it that your legs receive strength and you're able to balance? You're able to leap. You're able to do all these things. I've got news for you. This, my friends, is called a miracle. It is a miracle. It's not just the strengthening of legs. The whole person is made whole as the Holy Spirit moves upon him. There's a lot of stuff happening here. Okay? Now, take a look at what's happening, I guess, around them. This man... Everybody knew him. We ask sometimes, why does God choose to, to heal this person and maybe not heal this person? Listen, 
We're all healed spiritually. And eventually this body, whether I like it or not, we were singing it on a song just a moment ago. My time's going to come. One day this body is going to get weak and one day it's going to give out. It's going to get sick and it's going to pass. It is. Has God forsaken me because I got sick and I died? No. Go back and take a look at Joshua. Whenever it came his time to go, he said, now. He looks at all around him. God had been so faithful to him, but now his body's weak. He's dying. And he says, now I go the way of all the earth. And you know what I found? Every word that God has spoken, he's made good on. He's been true. It's going to happen. But does God sometimes reach into our time, into this world of ours, into this space and time, does he extend his hand and show who he is, that he is able, that not, let me rephrase, that there is nothing that can supersede, stand against, overcome, that which God has purposed and commanded to be so. What he says and what he commands is sure, and it is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away before his words will. They are eternal. And what ends up happening is God ordains, he speaks, and we see in, in this world every so often, pow, we see the power of God. But it is for a reason. It is not because everybody on the face of the earth is going to be healed. If every person was going to be healed in every situation whenever they were sick, people, I'm talking about on this side of eternity, eventually everybody is. But if we were going to be healed on this side of eternity, we wouldn't have hospitals, people. Nobody would ever pass. But the fact is, is the curse of sin is death, but the sting has been removed. We pass from this life into eternal life. Okay? So this man, why this miracle? Because everybody, well, I'm just, I'm just looking at one option. God may have many other reasons that I don't even see and people to be impacted that I do not know were there. But think about this. Everybody knew him. Everybody. It's like the man born blind from birth. Everybody knows him. He's there every day. Anybody went into the temple, passed by this guy if they went through the beautiful gate. And the next thing you know, here is this guy magnifying God, dancing, leaping, holding on to Peter and John. Now, Peter and John could tell him all they wanted to. You know, it's time for you to calm down. Just leave us alone. We'll be good. You can't calm somebody down that's had something like that. You just let them go. That's like, you know, setting off a bottle rocket. Once you light the fuse, get out of the way. I mean, it's on. Well, so this man, by virtue of walking, is a testimony. Notice, all of these things have been happen, happening just in, in, in a day or so, but now they go to the temple. And whenever they go to the temple, this miracle takes place in the temple of God, or as you're entering into the temple of God. And as they go in, this man is leaping. He's proclaiming God, uh, actually now allowed to go in. A lot of times, depending upon your malady, you were considered unclean and you couldn't go in. But So he's leaping and praising God. Verse 9. So what do we expect to happen? And all the people saw him walking and praising God. So he's magnifying the Lord. So they see this. 
Verse 10, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So now they want to know what has happened. We know that this is God. How was he made whole? Who could do this for him? Well, they're about to find out. So what happens is they're there in Solomon's portico. Verse 11, it says, Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, which is called Solomon's, and they were greatly amazed, you think? So when Peter saw it, all these people come running together, what's the perception? The perception from the outside is that Peter and John are great healers, right? Think about it. If this man was healed, if this man said in the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter what he said. They reached down, they grabbed them. They're physical, physical people. They're there. And so what do they do? They look at them like, woo. You know, oh, I'm sorry, whoa. Uh, for those of you that were here this morning, that'll make sense. But anyway, so they look and, and they're thinking, boy, Peter and John, these great men of God. There were times, you know, you look in Acts, they even attributed deity to some of the apostles. But they said, no, that's, that's not true. Okay. So when the people saw it, or, okay, so wait a minute, and they were greatly amazed, verse 12. Is that where I was? Verse 12, yeah, okay. So it says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Listen to his message. I wish more preachers would do this, by the way. And may God forever have me do it. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at us? Because that's who they're pointing at. They're like, you're the ones that did it. You're the ones that did it. Why do you marvel at us? Why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power? Let's do it. Why do you think it's our own power or godliness through that that we have made this man walk? It's not my power what we were saying from the beginning. It's the power of the Spirit. But then he explains to them in the language that they would understand. Because the people gathered together, especially for these feasts, having to present themselves before the Lord, one of the great big fe- or the great feasts of the Lord, Pentecost. So they come, and it says, it's not by us, it's not by our goodness or good godliness or power that this man wants, but verse 13, the God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant who? Jesus. The attention always goes back to Jesus. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit has come, he will glorify me. If Jesus is not glorified, we're either missing it badly or it's not a God thing at all. It's always about Jesus. And when Christ Jesus is glorified, there you will find the power of God. Glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. You remember, he wanted to let him go. The people kept screaming, crucifying. Verse 14, but you, you the people, you denied the Holy One and the just and you ask for a murderer, Barabbas, Barabbas is who they're talking about, to be granted to you. And in turn, you killed the prince of life. You killed Jesus. You killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. 
Catch that. They said, you murdered him, and he was resurrected from the dead. These are not rumors. As the people were saying, hey, did y'all hear about it? Jesus was resurrected from the dead. No, 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 he wasn't resurrected from the dead. They let him say, he was resurrected from the dead. We saw him alive. We are witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And though we haven't seen it we, directly, we are also witnesses to that resurrection because Christ lives in us. Okay. And we're witnesses of this. Now look at verse 16. It says, And his name, and his name through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given, given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. He points to Jesus Christ. And saints, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, I believe we'd see the power of God more and more if we were careful, very careful, not to claim that it was us or our ministry or by some, some strength or grace of our own. Now, I'm going to ask a question, and some of you are going to look like, at me like I'm crazy. I, I, I almost didn't watch the movie, but I did watch it years and years ago. It was a movie called Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. He was a televangelist. Did anybody ever see that movie? It was recommended in several Christian magazines. No, it's not a quote-unquote Christian movie. Did anybody ever see it? Okay, well, you're holier than I am. But let me tell you about that. It was recommended. I didn't want to watch it because I said, Here, here's some charlatan televangelist. But I'm going to give you a synopsis of the movie. He was the one that would come out there in the sequin jacket. And they'd have the light shining on when he turned around, he sparkled, and he'd stand up there and he'd preach. And it was, you know, very sacrilegious. But this man, he was, uh, had all kinds of vices, from, from alcohol, women, the whole ball of wax. And evidently, as the movie goes, whenever he was younger, okay, he had a faith, but he had been wounded in his walk, Okay. And so what he did, did was he traveled from place to place, and because he was a fairly intuitive person, he could give this uh, prophetic persona. He could almost make people believe that, hey, God was speaking to him. He could get out of speeding tickets and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, what ends up happening is there's a young boy who is actually uh, challenged, crippled is what he is. And while he was in there one day, the sheriff's trying to expose Steve Martin for who he is, and this child walks in, and he believes so strong. And there's a crucifix up there behind him. And I say crucifix because Jesus is, is on it. But he goes in there, and the child in faith starts walking up to that cross, believing God to heal him. And Steve Martin makes some stupid comment, something to the effect of, you know, if the kid isn't healed, it's the sheriff's fault because he's convinced nothing's going to happen. You know, he's about to be exposed. Kid touches the cross, and guess what? Pow! The power of God hits him and he's healed. Now we've got a problem. Because it doesn't matter what anybody thinks or what they might propose or what they might say. He's healed. And everybody knows that this kid's legit. Well, after that happens, the kid comes to Steve Martin. And it's actually a coming of age, a coming of understanding. He comes to Steve Martin and he tells him, he says, I want to go with you. I want to be a part of this ministry. Steve Martin looks and says, you don't want to be a part of this ministry, kid. I'm a charlatan. I'm a liar. 
I prey upon other people. And the kid looks at him because of what happened in his life, and he said, I don't care. He says, I want to go. I want to be part of, of what's happening with these people. And a long story short, where Steve Martin's parents had abandoned him, he tells the kid, well, I'll be here tomorrow at such and such time. I'll pick you up. And what he does is he tells somebody to let the kid know just because somebody doesn't show up doesn't mean that they don't love you. But the actual story that goes on in there is that there really is God. There really is his healing power. God really is there to do this. Regardless of charlatans, regardless of people that are putting on a show, regardless of the circumstances that might be there, those that look to God in faith and seek him, God moves in powerful ways. So, right here, what Peter is saying to them, whether the people understood everything that was going on or not, he keeps pointing back, not look at me. I've got my sequin jacket on and I'm a super apostle and everybody needs to listen to me. Everybody needs to be hinged on every single word that I say because after all, I'm the mouthpiece of God. No, he never says that. He looks at him and says, you don't, don't come at me and look at me and John as if we're some super spiritual individual, if we were so godly as if we had attained some spirituality that we can do these things and we're quasi-godlike, okay? No, they look at him and they will tell him, just like Paul will tell him and just like angels will say who are supernatural beings. We're servants of God. That's what we are, the angels say. And the human beings, whenever people bow before him, they said, don't do that. I'm only a human being. God moves as he wills upon the human heart as he is leading, moving, directing, and he gives gifts to people as he wills. It is his power, but it will always be, always be in the name of Jesus Christ. It'll always be in his name. And what we do in his name has power. And what we do in our own name will ultimately fall flat. We'll get on that. Did I beat that horse enough? Okay, I want to make sure. Okay, got to close up. But let's see here. Where are we? Okay, let's take a look at verse 17. Just a couple more verses and we'll stop. It says, yet now, brethren, I know in other words, killing the Son of God. He says, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also the rulers. In other words, like Jesus said, they don't know what they're doing. If they truly knew what was going on, they would have never done it. He says, but these things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. In other words, the salvation that he promised to us through the suffering, death, and resurrection of his Son he has fulfilled. And then here comes that big scripture. So repent. Repent, therefore, and be converted. In other words, turn. Turn to Christ. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Powerful, isn't it? All right, tonight, I'll tell you what, we're going to have the musicians come and maybe sing the chorus. If anybody wants special prayer tonight, we can pray. 
We can also anoint if we need to. God's will be done. But as they're coming, you know what I always share. The altars are open as they are singing in a moment. Uh, you don't need a special invitation. If you want prayer, please, you can step out. You can come forward, grab my hands. You can pray at the altar, however you want to do it, or you can stand or sit on the front row, especially if you're, you and Jesus are having some things that you're struggling with, please. If you don't know him or if you're struggling with him, please don't leave, okay? Just hang around and let's talk and let's pray together. Amen? All right, if everybody would please stand. Come every soul has been oppressed. There's mercy. just want to always give opportunity for people to respond to God if God is dealing with their hearts. Tonight, the Lord bless you. Hope you continue to have a good Father's Day, and we look forward to seeing you the next time we're able to meet. The Lord bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. You're dismissed.